I feel like the come up is constantly just adapting to like things and being like from going from a blog era to then a streaming era and then SoundCloud and being like, oh, now I have to drop stuff on SoundCloud. Then Instagram emerges and you're like, oh, you can't just be on Twitter and Facebook. You now have to get an Instagram. And Instagram, then, TikTok. Like, yeah. And, yeah. You have to have everything. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Rap Chat Sessions podcast. I'm Classy Beats, the community director here and producer. And I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Kai Nathaniel. Kai, thanks for coming on, man. How's it going? Yeah, no problem, man. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, this is going to be a great one. I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it. You know, kind of my favorite thing to do is ask about the come up story. Everybody loves the come up story. So kind of, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got started, what got you into music and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, cool. So, um, like, I pretty much grew up around music. So, like, my dad was a musician. So were a lot of other people in, like, my family and stuff like that. So he was yeah. a jazz musician. That's awesome. He's been, like, Grammy nominated, like, three times. He wow. was in, uh, yeah, he is pretty nuts. That's um, he was in, uh, have you ever played the video game Parappa the Rapper? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's in that game as well. He's yeah, uh, Papa, he's Papa Parappa and he's PJ <laughs> Berry. Cool. Uh, that's crazy. the rapper's like best friend yeah so being like younger like my house always had like all different types of music like from motown to like soft rock like any type of music you can think of like we're listening to especially like live music jazz yeah and then like i remember being little going to like concerts like newport jazz festival with them and like all these other places so like i always just loved music and then as i got older like i was always into like writing short stories and like poetry and stuff like that. And then that eventually became like music oriented into like writing songs and stuff. Cause even when I was little, like I went from playing like the drums to like saxophone and like all these other instruments. And then uh, I never was really like writing. Like I I remember when I was a little kid, like I wrote like obviously like songs, but like they were like weird, like not like the type of stuff (laughs) I write now. Um, And it was like before, like you knew people who made beats. So you're just like taking random beats from like CDs <laughs> or like burning them. Like I remember the first oh, one yeah. was like to like a random like IMX beat because they just happened to have an instrumental on the like tape with like uh that was a dude from Immature, the dude uh yeah, what was it Roger and like on the Marcus Houston? So I was like writing on those and I didn't like write anything for like a while. Then I remember in like high school and like junior high, like I was like freestyling and stuff like that. And then eventually, like we go to like parties or whatever, and every once in a while, like you start drinking and then like you start getting nice. It's like, oh, you should rap something, dude. <laughs> and like, yeah, it just, yeah. like became like a thing. It's like, oh, he can like freestyle and stuff like that. So like at parties, you just were like, oh, like if people were doing it, like I would never like just initiate it. It would always be like someone else was already rapping, and then yeah. I happen to like walk by and they'd be like, yo, he's nice, go do something. I'm like, nah, like whatever. And then eventually, <laughs> yeah. if I was drinking up it start and then over time people like yo you're just actually like really good you should actually like write music and i was like yeah and i was just like "Uh," i thought about it and then like i did it like privately for like a long time and i like being that my dad was who he was and like having a lot of like other like uncles and stuff like my uncle mo worked with like michael jackson and was like on the this is it tour and like then my godfathers worked with like earth wind and fire like everyone else so amazing I was just like very meticulous with my stuff and just was like, my fear was my dad being like, yo, you are trash. (laughs) Don't ever, don't ever put this up. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) don't ever put music out like whatever. So like Uh, him being like, 
hey, like, I, I know you're working on stuff. Like, I'd love to hear it sometime. And I was always Ooh, just like, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe sometime. But, like, right now, not. And he was like, I get it. I'm just like, yeah. I just, I just really didn't want. I was so private with it. And then, like, periodically, like, I don't remember what point it was. Like, I was writing. I just did once again. Like I said, I didn't have beats. So, like, I was just writing over, like, instruments. So I just would go on, like, YouTube and, yeah. like, steal beats and just, like, record over them but never put them out. So, I had, mm. like, a, not, like, a large assortment of just, like, freestyles that, like, never came out. Yeah. And then I would always compare them to, like, the artists who I liked and was like, is this better than this? Could this compete with this? And if it mm. couldn't, I'm like, all right, cool. I don't feel like... I'm where I should be where lyrically this stuff, like I feel like even if I go to like the first stuff I was writing when I really started writing, like early on, like was always good. It just was like the flows weren't like and the pockets weren't where they should be. But like, if you just read them, they were really good, but it's still learning how to like develop your flows and like writing abilities and like how many, like not trying to squeeze so many words in all the time because yeah. then it just gets jumbled and the clarity's not there. So it was learning all those things and just like studying it and doing like, what they call the 10,000 hours. And I felt like yep. once I hit like that point where I was like, Oh, I'm like good at this now. So then that's when I put out like my first song. And, uh, yeah. that was, I think that was around the time when my dad, I think that was actually the first time my dad actually heard any of my music. So I didn't play him anything until that, For that whole put, time. That's crazy. Yeah. I went like years without ever playing him one song, like ever. Wow. And then that was the first one. And then I remember we heard it was a song called on top. And it was uh, off of a project that got like wiped, like because like my hard drive crashed and everything. So I lost Ugh. like everything I ever did. But there's like, it's still out. Like I've, I've never taken it down. Like I know I saw your previous podcast where I forgot who you were talking to. It was a woman. And she yeah. was like, yeah, you just don't want to put yeah. out a bunch of stuff. And then people go back and find it. And that was also another fear of mine. Where yeah, I was like, sure. I don't want to put out. I don't want to put out a bunch of stuff during the period of when I'm figuring it out like and you yeah. have all these like rough drafts of like all this music that is like me finding myself in terrible <laughs> or like not terrible but <laughs> with the auto tune out of key and yeah you know, like yeah, just everything really bad yeah and that was another thing too because i remember like growing up and watching like people who were rapping in like high school and like everything else and it was when they were trying before they got like good so by the time they got good nobody gave a fuck anymore like mm. it was just like Oh, like if yeah. you're like, oh, like I pop this music, they're like, oh, I heard all this first stuff. I'm never listening to anything yeah, else. Like, exactly. you, know, you only have one time to make a first impression. And I, that's how I felt with like even with my dad or like anyone else. I was like, if I put out something, it has to be like really good. Yeah. So with On Top, it was like Ricky Bobby theme because the whole concept of the project was it was flipping channels. And instead of a mixtape, it was a theme tape. So I pretty much oh, cool. the concept was like daydreaming while like half baked in front of the television. And like falling asleep and waking back up, but every time you wake up, it's like a different show's on. So each uh, song awesome. was themed off of like a different show. And on top, uh, took a theme from like Ricky Bobby. And that song, honestly, it's it's pretty nuts. It was like my first one, and that song got me in contact with like Wyclef because wow. he found it. Yeah, That's crazy man. Yeah, so I heard, I heard. Uh, so he called me. It took a while before it hit him. Like somebody heard it. And then pretty much was like, oh, this dude's dope. I thought you would like this and gave it to him. And then he found my like contact information and called me, but I didn't know it was him. And I've never answered numbers. I don't know. Cause yep. like, I've always lived by like, oh, if, if it's important, you'll leave me They'll a message. Leave a message. Text me. Yep. Left no message. Didn't text me. Didn't answer. Then I called back again. I didn't answer. And then I got a, like a phone call 
with somebody like yelling at me was like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, why Clef John called you two times and you didn't answer once? I was like, why would I? Why well, how I would know you know? That? Exactly. That's yeah. what I said. I was like, no one told me that. And he was like, oh my Next gosh. Time, he's going to call you answer the phone. And then I answered. And then me and him had like a long conversation and yeah. then it eventually led to me like meeting him and like going to his house and like having like one of the coolest talks ever, which I felt like then changed how I made music because like being able to sit in studio with him and watch the way he works. Cause I feel like my early music, I wasn't like really layering it. Like mm-hmm. I felt like it was just like one vocal, maybe dubs or something like that. And like, I didn't realize how much stuff you can do and like pocket it in. Mm-hmm. And then, like, was sitting in studio with them. I'm like, wait, how many layers do you have on this song? I'm like, these are just your vocals. And it would be, like, 30-something, like, layers of vocals. I'm like, how do you even hear all that? And then he was like, well, and then they would, like, edit it and, like, layer yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And then I started, like, studying, like, music even more and, like, harmonies. Because my dad also was, like, once he stopped, like, touring and stuff, mm-hmm. he was a professor at Berkeley. So, like, even just, like, list like watching him like i didn't i never studied music theory or like anything like that mm-hmm. so with him he was always like it's crazy you're able to do this stuff you do with never like studying music you literally yeah. he was like he was like you study it's in music the blood just, yeah he was like <laughs> you study music by like literally studying music yeah like he was like exactly. you don't study music in the like original sense where you like go to a class and like you read of these things he was like you literally just listen to artists you like or like old music and lit like literally listen to the melodies and like try to like count how many layers are in it and not find like the pockets and weird things you can do with your voice. That's why like, I've always loved like Andre 3000s and like Kanye's where you can see like, or like even like Kendrick where like, or Childish Gambino, how like they use their voice like instruments where you can like make noises mm-hmm. and harmonies and add effects to them. And then it becomes part of the beat. And it's just like layered within there and all like, whether it be hummings, like kid cutting and stuff like that. But to just like keep going, that's pretty much what it was. It was that dropped, and then it was the freestyle in school. And then I was like, after on top came out, and like the response was like kind of good. It didn't do anything crazy, but like yeah. for a first release that had no video, I was like, hey, like we're in the thousands. Like this is kind of cool. Like I've never put out anything ever, and I watched like classmates and stuff put out music and they do like sixty views and never move. Oh, so yeah. I was like, oh, this that's is tough. cool. And then I was. So then I was like, all right, I'll put out something else. And I put out another one off the project, which was Wonder Why, which was themed off like Pineapple Express. And then that one got picked up by like blogs and stuff. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, and like to see like people write about it and like really like the music. I was like, that's cool. So then I was like, maybe I should start like doing videos. And then I did my first one, which was I took a soundbite from like Wendy Williams, the like, how you doing? Like, yeah, like, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. And that's what yeah, it was called. Yeah. And when I wrote that one, it was, I remember Lil Wayne dropped something at the time. And I remember someone being like, yo, it's crazy. He can just drop like bar after bar. And it's just like dope. I was like, I mean, it's cool. Like I love Wayne, but I'm like, it's not that hard to do. If you're like good at writing, you actually take the time to like think about what you're going to say. Yeah. Versus I'm like, it's not like he just sat there and just like, was like, it just merged. Like he actually put like some type of reference to it. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm like, I could literally make a song like that where every line would be a bar and a hook and it would still be catchy. And someone was like, okay, do it. I was like, all right, cool. And then around that time, the, the, if I remember correctly, the dudes who made the beat were, um, I think they were called up North Pro- productions. There were those dudes who like ran up on like Mac Miller, like years mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. when he did that La La record and they were like, you didn't give us credit. And they went like viral. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, yeah. So randomly, game. randomly met them. 
uh through oh wow. okay yeah super it was super random like i feel like the i tell people all the time like it's so random how much like many people i've met solely through the internet like not even like no relations just random shit through the internet so i had a friend who was making music at the time and they reached out to him so when we drove up he was like come with me because like i don't want to meet them by myself so we drove up to new york mm-hmm. and went to this like, random house and we we're there but while we were there he was just like he would always do this. He'd be like, oh, by the way, he makes music too. Like, if you liked him, he'd be like, he makes music too. He's really dope. Yeah. And they'd be like, all right, cool. Like, pull some of your shit up. And I played them a record and they were like, oh, I played them, I think, On Top of Wonder Why. And those are the only two records I had at the time. And how you do, uh, yeah, those were the only two records I had at the time, which I bought off of one of those like random like beat sites. I think it was like SoundClick or like, yeah, something. probably. This was when, 2018 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I, bought, yeah. I don't remember. I don't even remember when I got them on there, <laughs> but it was by like, it was like the Johnny Giuliano era, like whenever year that oh, was, yeah, and whatever 2000 like, was. Yeah. Yeah. So I had like a Johnny Giuliano beat and uh, so I forgot who made the Wonder Why one. But I played them those, they liked them. And then I went through their beats and they gave him like a beat tape. And they were like, oh, if you want some, I'll throw a few on there for you. And they were like three beats. The, all the beats that I used were beats yeah. he didn't want. And then I remember I used them and he was like, damn, I should have used those. Like, but when he heard them, he didn't know what he would do with them. And yeah. one, was, one was coffee shop, which Sam, which was like a flip of uh used to lover kind of mm-hmm. whatever. I forgot what beat common sampled for that, but it was the original. They sampled that. And I used that for a record called coffee shop, which was like deaf poetry, like type bass, which was like the concept for it. Then there was the, how you doing record. And that coffee shop one was like another one that did like well. And it was like one of my early videos. And that one, like uh, Jill Scott, like said something about it hit me. And then somebody from oh, like MTV. Nice. Yeah. That was like, it was the blog. It was super blog airy. So it got picked up by, um, yeah. what blog was it? It was like a blog that was like big at the time. I think it was like good music all day. I don't okay. know if you're familiar with them. No, and like at the time they were like, they were like one of those like collegey like blogs where like they were very, tied in with like all the universities so like if you had a record on there and it was yeah. doing, like okay it would just spread like super quick because like they had like hubs of like campuses who were all tied in and oh, then like people yeah and then like people from those campuses who were in charge of like events a lot of times would then book artists they found on those sites so i would watch oh, like okay. people like blow up off of that site like uh like raz simone and like a bunch of people from like seattle yeah i think logic was on that site really early it was like that one and i think there was like like fresh new tracks and then you had like the super hip-hop like rap ones like the pigeons and planes Mm -hmm. and like two dope boys and uh like hip-hop dx obviously double xl and stuff like that those were i feel like there was a period where like double xl obviously those ones those ones are like forever they're gonna go on forever but Mm -hmm. all those other like sub genre runs were like those like I look at it like kind of like those mom and pop shops that are like super dope that like no one really knows knows about. about, But if you know about them, like they still do so much stuff under the radar Mm -hmm. and they're killing it. But because they're not like a chain in the forefront, it just people don't like pay attention to it. But the people who knew were like, oh, like you can get numbers off of this because then they're tied in with all these other blogs. And then if they do it because they're like the top one there, all the other ones trickle down into them and will blow it up. Yeah. So then it was that. Uh, then coffee shop and that did like uh, like more traction for me and then uh, 
then I think that's around the time where I like lost all my music. It happened to me twice. There were two times where I lost like all my oh, music. Oh man. Then that's... that then that happened. And then I put out like Windblow Jeez. and a few other records where like if you go on SoundCloud, they're still there. Mm-hmm. But then everything else is just like gone. So then it was like losing that and then being like, all right, uh now I'm gonna have to redevelop myself again. And I started listening to like new beats and then switching it up. And then during that time, I then met uh mm this dude bees he's like a youtuber and i remember i went to la and i was like recording i think it was like 2016 like, uh mm-hmm. i met this dude named bees he was like a youtuber he goes by bugatti bees and then that that was like the first time i ever went to la i met him and then uh we became super cool and then i remember leaving and then him being like hey i make dope music you make dope music i just got hit up to go on tour yeah you should come with me on tour and then I feel like from that point on is when, like, I just started building relations with, like, so many other, like, artists and then realizing the importance of it. And I met uh, Futuristic, like, right before that. I met him in 2015. And uh, I opened up for him and Sam Chow in Providence. And then yeah, a awesome. year later, yeah, and then a year later, I was with Bees on tour with him and, like, Justina Valentine from Wild and Out. Yeah, she's dope. And a bunch of other people. And this is, like, before she, like, took the fuck off. Yeah. So, like, this was, like, the year where, like, everyone was still, like, grinding. Because, like, she, like, I think just got wilding out mm. at that point. So, she wasn't, like, one of she the stars. She wasn't in there yet. yet. Yeah. yeah, she was, like, Cat Williams and everybody was still on it. So, like, everyone else was, like, way more famous. Like, nobody knew really who she was. So, there was that. And then just keeping relationships with her and then, like, Zach. But then as time progressed after the bees thing, then uh, I started pretty much just reevaluating everything and trying to like structure things and be like, what, what am I not doing? Because as you know, like every couple of years, like the structure of how we consume music changes. Absolutely. So it went, yeah. it went from like the blog era to then like SoundCloud, SoundCloud. And then after yeah, SoundCloud, yeah. then it was like streaming services and it was like Spotify. Cause we mm-hmm. already, we always had Apple music. I mean, we always had iTunes. Yeah. And then it was like Apple music and everything else. So then there was that period of me being like, all right, I got to figure out how to like put out music again. Because I got so accustomed to being like, all right, like I had this structure, which I also think like hindered me for a little, which was taking like longer to put out music, not because you didn't have it, but because I got so used to the blog era and being like, all right, you make a song, then you got to type up a bunch of fucking emails, (laughs) then you got to email a million people. And then you got to wait for them to get back to you. Yeah, exactly. You got to wait for them to get back to you. And then if they don't get back to you, you got to hit them back up again. And then hit them back up again, just in case they missed it because they get so many. Yeah. So then, uh, cause I would watch other people like my friends and stuff and be like, how are you getting like views and streams? And I'm like, Oh, cause once I do the record, I then email ridiculous amounts of people. Yeah. Whereas like they would just put stuff off and leave it. And like, I think a lot of people have this notion, like, Oh, if I just keep dropping music, it's like fine. Like I don't need to like do yeah. any marketing. Like it's going to, it's this music is so dope that everyone's going to hear it. And it's like, you could be the best musician ever. But if you don't, if you don't work as hard as making music as you do marketing it and like actually trying to put it out in the world, it's very rare that it's just randomly going to fall into the right hands. Yeah, like it's like one out of a million. I've literally only met one person who's had that situation, which I literally met him when I moved back to when I moved to Boston recently. I'll continue what I was talking about. It's this yeah. dude who was signed to Push a T. And he told me the way he got signed to Push T and is literally the craziest story I've ever heard. <laughs> he literally, this is before like he was beefing with like Drake. Yeah. He DM'd him and just said, yo, I promise you I'm better than Drake. I can be way bigger than Drake. 
I guess that piqued his curiosity and he actually like just like looked into him and went to his SoundCloud and like yeah. oh, two weeks later hit him up and was like, yo, you're dope. Send me some of your music that's not on SoundCloud. And the dude was just like, no. He was like, he was like, I was like, I'm working. He was like, I'm working on like really dope stuff. I'm not just gonna give it you like music. Because he didn't, he didn't know him, obviously. So he's like, what if he steals it? So he was like, I bet, where do you live? And he was like, I live in Boston. So he was like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. And I guess he like booked a flight, came to Boston, and then went in studio, played him some stuff, and he was like, Oh, this is really dope. And then he left and he was like, then he hit me up a week later and was like, yo, what are you doing right now? And he was like, oh, I'm just like at the house. He's like, all right, cool. We're going to New York. Meet me in New York. Like I'll, I'll pay for like a car That's or something to crazy. go there. Yeah. Then they did like, then he met with like people and he had to play the music in New York. Then he was like, after that, then they took him to LA. Then he did the same thing. Then he was like, then he took him to like Paris. And then after that, he signed him. I was like, bro, that never happens. That's that not how it works. No. Yeah. That is and not I was like, but case. he told me, that, yeah. And that's really what happened for him. I was like, that is like one in a million. Same yeah. thing with like Russ. Like I look at people who like, even with like Russ, like Russ, yeah. I love mm-hmm. his work ethic. I love the way he works. I love what he did with like, when he was like, oh, I'm going to go on SoundCloud and drop this consistently. Because I know a lot of people who've done that, who that has worked for. So yeah. consistency works in that because eventually like, you, but he's also promoting stuff. He actually was doing emails and yeah. sending stuff out. And then I have a homie, Nick D, who I met through TikTok, who was the same way. And he, find, he just had a viral record from TikTok, but he's been putting out music constantly yeah. and then re-pushing it through TikTok. So I was like, it's a constant thing. And I feel like a lot of people don't pay attention to that aspect of it. So that's pretty much what it was for me. It was like after it's going on that tour was with like Bees and Futuristic and Justina. Like I looked at the way like, people like Devon Terrell and like futuristic were like doing their own marketing who are super fully independent yeah. and was like, okay, I never thought to do this. And they were doing like stuff that I never did. Same thing with like Jordan Lucas's and uh, like tokens and people like that. And I started just looking at everyone's like blueprint and being like, well, what are they doing differently than I'm doing? I'm like, all right, well, I'm making music and it's good quality music. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but then I'm spending all this time than doing emails and putting all this effort in for like stuff, which takes so much more time, especially when you're doing it by yourself, when yeah. you don't have like, when you're not paying like a marketer. Cause like I do my graphic design work. I'm like, I, uh, I have a homie who records me and stuff, but like, even if I don't record with him, I then send vocals over. Then they get mixed and mastered with him. Mm. I'm like, I direct all my videos. I'm like, I do my cover art. And then like, I was like, what can I do to delegate stuff or also just like make this move faster? And that's like, cause I was always doing everything by myself not realizing like there's nothing wrong working with other people and collaborating. So I was going years just doing everything by myself. And then I started watching like Zach and then go from like 2016 to having like one of the biggest years he ever had. And was like, well, what is he doing? What is Devon doing? And then I remember that was a period where they were doing remixes and covers and like Mm. constantly doing like one takes. And I was just like, and then also looking at like other artists who were doing like contests. And I just always was like, Oh, I don't need to do contests. I was going to do in a contest. Like, I make yeah. music. I make music. I don't need to do contests. Like opportunity. Contests are for like those people. <laughs> then I like sat and thought about yeah. it. And I was like, wait, that makes no sense. Cause like with the contest, like that's a bunch of people who don't know you. And that's all other eyes. It's also like exactly. opportunities to meet with like other people who don't know you. So it's just a giant hub of like random people who can find your music. And if they like what you do there, then they trickles everywhere else. Mm-hmm. so then i started looking at like people who i liked who were doing concerts i was like oh shit i never knew jordan lucas did 
this contest and won. I didn't know Token did this contest. I didn't know like this person did this contest before. So I was like, all right, cool. Or like even the funk volume contest with like Hobson and like Dizzy Wright. Yeah. So I was just like, all right, maybe I should try one of the first contests I did on one. And it was just like, okay. And that contest. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Like it was crazy. It was, that's what happened with Rap Chat. The first contest I ever did on Rap Chat, I won. Yeah. Uh, when, and then I got flown out to LA and met Problem and like did a video with him. So that's awesome. It yeah. was just like the same thing. I just was like, all right, like, this is a different version of like writing because all the contests I were doing were very like rap oriented. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, I'm really good at writing songs. But like, I also know, like I grew up watching like smack DVD and like, I love battle rap and stuff like that. So like, if it's just like a contest with rapping, I'm like, my favorite rappers can rap their ass off. Like Lupe Fiasco, like Slaughterhouse, like all that stuff. But then yeah. my favorite type of music is like R&B melodic shit. Cause that's what I grew up with, with like a dad who did jazz and was a musician. Mm-hmm. so in that realm i just have fun doing that like i love writing freestyles or like doing that type of stuff so pretty much after the tour with like bees and futuristic there was a contest with dizzy Wright, um and i think that was right around the time when he started his still moving label and it was called like the golden uh the golden age contest so it was all like boom bap type beats and stuff like that so my thing was I, I figured out strategies with that too. The same way I was with like marketing my music. I was like, all right, what's the best way to do this to be seen and like everything else. So then I thought of like Zach and like Devon and like what they were doing. I'm like, Oh, like they were to, to put out more content. They were doing one take videos at one point. Like he always did music videos, but like one take video, yeah, you can okay. shoot, you can do it. You can do a song. You can make some master. You can shoot a video for it the same day and have it out the same day. If you're doing it in one take. Right. And then, uh, but the problem with one takes is like, because there's no cutting, if you're not interesting, it becomes the most boring thing ever. <laughs> so like, and that's why one takes don't work for everyone. Yeah. Cause I've seen people yeah. like try to do one takes and be like, oh, this isn't working. And then it's they like, end up shooting yeah. extra footage. It's yeah. like, you have to actually be interesting. Like, cause I've seen one takes where the camera doesn't really move and it's still interesting, but you just have to be interesting. Cause you, it's you who have to keep the person's attention. But if you can do that, you'll keep them for the entire video. Right. And that'll definitely make them want to watch another one because it's like you kept my attention doing just one shot the entire time and being like a fan of movies and like directing my videos. Like that was like my thing where I was like, all right, I'm going to make like a cool one take. I'm going to figure out how many times I can do movement. I want to do a lot of camera movement, but it's still say the same. So with that one, I also was strategic being like, which I used in every contest I've done ever since then, which is I pretty much will go, okay, when is the starting date? When is the end date? I will not post at the very beginning because I feel like if you post at the beginning, it gives people enough time to try to outdo what you did, even mm-hmm. if they weren't going to do that. So because just, the, then they co- just the video posting the video. Yeah. yeah. So like video. So like I'll do the song, okay. like yeah. a lot of the times it'll be, I'll do the song, but I wouldn't do the video or anything until like a lot of time it was super last minute. A lot of, like the one I did yeah. for Deadshot it usually would be like that. It would be because then you're trying to figure out which, where you want to go. And a lot of people rush and just put theirs out because they're like, oh, I want to be the first person out with it. And yeah. their mind say is like, oh, because I'll get the most used. And you go to the page, I'll be there every single time you go there. Right. And it's like, maybe that might work for you or like nobody will click on it at all because like they just don't want to help you. Yeah, Whereas like if you're doing something and you're promoting it, like people are going to go to it. So then they'll see like your votes are going up. So they'll be like, oh, I'm going to go to that one. So with that one, I pretty much all the contests that were like rap oriented, I would pretty much wait till usually like days before I always wanted like 
five to like set set usually like a week i always wanted like a week amount of span to get voting that way like even if i don't have the most votes i would always get enough to qualify for the final round i would always right. be like i would look to see what the highest amount of votes were and be like oh if they're like oh we're only keeping the top 50 i'd be like all right what's this at and like once the top 50 hit a certain amount of votes i'd be like do i think i could get that in a week or do i think i should drop it now and if it was a week i'd go okay i'd leave it what i'd always do is i'd watch like a handful of videos I never watch all of them because it's just too much tedious, but yeah, just usually yeah. from like five videos, if there's a thousand videos from like five, you can kind of like grasp like the direction the average person is going. And from like watching them, I'd be like, oh, the majority of people are just fast rapping. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to address that in my rap and I'll write like an entire verse based off like things I did or saw in there. But I would also listen to people's like, records and be like your record doesn't sound like a record it just sounds like a contest entry that you just i'm like together, yeah yeah so it's counterproductive so i'm like so now after this contest you can't use this because it's no it's not going to be listenable so that was another thing with contests. i was like point. a lot of people keep i was like a lot of people keep tailoring their like contest entries to the contest whereas me i was like oh, i'm going to make something that if you know it's a contest you'll know it's for the contest but if you listen to this and didn't know it's in a contest you would never know it because it's a dope record so i have like one of my bigger records, which is Deadshot, was literally for a contest. Nobody yeah. knows that. And that's that, crazy. Yeah. I did not, I did not that. know yeah. that. Everyone who finds that, it's like, this is dope. And that was for a contest, which, yeah. It's really funny how this happened. That's why I said the internet's pretty funny. So that record, Dizzy saw it. And then Demrick, who's on Still Moving, saw it. Mm-hmm. And like other people there. So I didn't, uh, I won the contest. Pretty much, he told me on tour. He was like, "You didn't win the contest, but you won the contest." Yeah, like so. Pretty you much, got the like, contact information. Yeah, so pretty yeah. much, it was like, "Oh, like he was like, we talked about it, and you were who we picked." Everyone unanimously was like, "Oh, you got picked." But <laughs> yeah. then I decided I wanted to take you on tour, and they were yeah. like, "Oh, you're going on tour with him? Never mind. He's already won. Like, if he's going on tour <laughs> with you, like, there's yeah. no point in letting him win." Yeah, so they exactly. didn't let me. And then I ended up going on tour with him where I made more money than I would have made making the contest. I met awesome, way man. more people. Like I met the dudes from Good Charlotte who like had their own rec label because they were I love Good with, Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. They were friends with the headliners of the tour, which were Hollywood and Dead, super cool dudes. Awesome. So I met them. I, I got like super cool with Demrick. That's like my brother now. Then I met Dizzy like several times, have got his number from it. And like he had like a I had a great conversation with him and he was talking about the video. He was like, yo, you're going to be good. That's why I wasn't worried about you. Like I felt like someone else could use it more than you could. And you were already going on tour. He was like, so you lost the battle, but you won the war. He was like, you're on tour. You made more money. You would have got flown to Vegas if you won. How many yeah. times have you been to Vegas on this tour? I was like, twice. <laughs> he was like, he's like, exactly. He was like, yeah, you're doing shows. Like, he's like, you're on tour for three months. Like, yeah, that's the best like, oh, yeah, consolation dope. prize ever. Yeah, probably. exactly. <laughs> and then I met like Dame from that too. Like, uh, who used to work with like uh, Funk Volume and everything. Yeah, Dame like, Ritter. I met, like, yeah, shout out to Dame. Yeah, super, super dope dude, bro. Super dope. Yeah. And I don't know, just even from there, like, it was just like a dope. Cause like, I, I love experiences and like learning experiences. And from that tour, like, I learned so much shit. And then, like, even, like, seeing the behind the scenes on how, like, other artists work and, like, what goes into doing, like, a huge, like, tour from that. Because the first one was, like, a smaller one. Then I go on, like, this huge tour with, like, uh, crazy musicians. And then from there, it was the same thing. Then I came back and was, like, I remember being on tour with Deadshot. And it was the same thing. I wrote it like a record. And the video came out. But because it was for a contest, everything was rushed. So, like, it did, like... In the course yeah. of by the time I finished that tour, I think it was at like 10,000 or like high eight or 9,000 views. And then I remember the dudes from Hollywood and Dead finding and be like, yo, you're 
dope. Like, yeah. you should put this out. It wasn't even on Spotify. Like, it was only on YouTube. That's and then, crazy. like, people kept hitting me up and being like, why did why isn't this on Spotify? And I was just like, I don't know. It was just like a it contest. was just for a challenge. Like, yeah, I was just like, yeah, I was like, I mean, yeah, it worked out. Whatever. They're like, no, put this on Spotify. And I was just like, okay. And then Hollywood did was like, no, you should really put this out. And that's when I started re-releasing stuff. Where I was like, oh, if I felt like something should have done better than it was, I was like, there was something my dad said to me, and like Wyclef said to me, which was, just because something's old to you doesn't mean it's old to someone else. Because yeah. if they've never found it, then it's brand new to them. Right. So once I changed my mentality to that, I'm like, if I thought something was really dope, I would then like make it like unlisted or like private on my channel for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I would just email it. And that's when I got, that's when I started finding like YouTube channels and being like, oh shit, you can email these channels who have like a huge fan base. And if they yeah. like your stuff, they'll just put it up. Like I was like, all right, cool. So I just started emailing Deadshot to like YouTube channels and then Rap Nation picked it up. And then I dropped it on Spotify and then like the algorithm just took it. And then it just started like the first week it was doing like a couple hundred a day. And then Mm -hmm. like by day seven, it was started doing like 5,000 views, like streams a day out of like nowhere. Just because like, I think because the algorithm was looking at it as so many outsources that like people were traveling from like not Spotify, but from links and going there because that was like something I asked them to do. I was like, question if i give you the link for this can you put it in like the bio or like the info and they're like yeah so i think like so many people were like clicking it that like in a short period of time that they were just like all right cool and then the release radar and everything just took it yeah that's awesome so yeah so then i was like all right uh let's try this again and then the another a one take contest came about so like i already did a one take video which wasn't even for a one take contest so then the new contest was like oh we want you to do a song in one take and we want you to do a video in one take and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because these, I love taking, doing one take videos. And like, I thought the first one was good. So I was like, if people really like Deadshot and that did really well on Rap Nation, I was like, I got to outdo that one. And then I like started thinking about like how little B used to like troll all the time and like name songs like Ellen DeGeneres. That guy like, is Bill a, Clinton. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a marketing he's a genius. genius. He's yeah. a genius. <laughs> or like Hannah Montana. Like he just named songs after people. And I was like, yeah. who do I really want to work with that like, and if you notice, there's a few songs I have all named after. Like, I was just like, who do I want to really want to work with? And I was like a huge fan of Cole Bennett. Yeah. I still am. But I think he's a great director. And I was like, I want to get Cole's attention because I really want to work with him. So I was like, all right, so I'm going to use this one take contest for number one, marketing to bring in new fans. Also, if I win, I get like $2,500 on top of that. And then I get promoted on these other pages, which the producer was AKT Action. And like, I think his Facebook had like over like 500,000 yeah. like followers or something. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get posted there. Then it was like Futuristics page who had like millions. And then he had his IG, which like I almost got screwed out of this contest, which kind of sucked. So I'll tell you about it like towards it. So pretty much I shot it and was like, all right, I'm going to call this song Cole Bennett. And then I came with a whole concept based off of like, the bombs over Baghdad video colorways. I just yeah. love that video. How it's like the grass is purple and like the trees are uh, like orange and like the concrete's yellow, like just all this crazy stuff. So I was like, I want to do like super trippy like that. I was like, um, and I just got to figure out like the right beat. Cause that's the only thing that sucks with the contest is you're limited. But like, I've always felt right. like no matter like what type of beat it is, like if you can get creative with it, you can make anything sound like super dope. And mm-hmm. then that was like the thing with contest two is which 
I to differentiate myself with people, I was like, all right, cool. Like, so even if we go song wise, let's say someone's like, even with me song wise, I'm like, my goal is to make sure that I just destroy you visually. And then if like, I want to do that song wise as well, but like, if I do it visually too, I'm like, then there's no chance. Like there's no chance. And that's how I was always looked at it was like, I want to do the best in all aspects. So I felt like some people might go super hard on their record mm-hmm. and then slack on their visual. I was like, with every contest, I always try to have like the coolest visuals. So with that, when we did a one take and that video came about crazy because it literally was not even supposed to be at the location it was shot at. Somebody flaked on me last minute. And oh, I just man. happened. I literally was like, I had was scrambling before the videographer came and I was just like, it was the night before there's somebody came to me literally the night before. And I had like a few hours and I was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to walk around the city and like drive around and try to find somewhere to do it. And I was hitting people up and a lot of people scheduled in work. So I was like, yeah, let me just find somewhere outside. What's the weather going to be like? And then my you, friend happened to lit. Huh? I was going to say, you would never know watching the video. Like yeah, it, every, it every, every video, every video I did, that was a one take was not in this right place it was supposed to be That's every so single cool. one there's That's three amazing. one take videos i have out or four but the three that were for contests every single one was meant at a different location and somebody canceled on me last minute That's so insane. that one uh pretty much i went by and was like oh shit there's a giant vacant lot across the street from my friend's house i'm like this street is also isn't on a main street so i feel like i could just do random stuff here and like no cars would come by and ruin the shop yeah. And there was also like a random boat, like right across the street that nobody owned. So I was like, I'm going to use that. I was like, then I have a huge parking lot. It's a one take. I was like, I know I'm entertaining. So I was like, I could do cool stuff. And then it was just trying to figure out how to make your eye grab stuff. So I was just like, all right, what if I do it kind of like the hangover movie? And it's kind of like me waking up in the boat. Like I knew what I was doing sonically and like yeah. that I could have stuff tie in with it visually, but I just needed a way to get from point A to point B. And then also in my mind, I was like, how can I make it look like multiple sets in one take? And I was like, oh, if we just keep changing the camera angles. So that night, I literally was just walking around, playing the music and shooting with my iPhone, just like walking around and figuring out when to turn and stuff. Yeah. And once it all came together, you have like what you have now, which is then even the panda head was just like something random. I was just like, (laughs) I I was like, we need more random stuff in this video. I was like, because it's just here. I was like, the set I had initially was awesome. Like there was paintings in some, it was so many rooms in like a building. And then, so to be outside, I was like, I need more stuff. And I was like, Oh wait, I hit up my dude. I was like, you have a random panda head, right? I was like, yeah, bring it. I was like, what else do we need? And I was like, um, I was like lyrical lemonade, Cole Bennett. I was like, I'm going to go to the grocery store and get like lemonade and like a bunch of lemons. Like, and then I brought like a fold out table and made a fake lemonade stand and called it lyrical lemonade. Yeah. And then like within it did like a scheme using Cole Bennett's name. And then, that was like another one. I put it out and then uh, I remember I got hit up afterwards and then Zach like congratulated me, but he like told me, and this is why I love yeah. him because even though it's, it's like, because he was not going to let me win at all. And he had nothing to do with me winning. He pretty much was just like, yo, I saw your entry and I thought it was like super dope, but I was like, yo, I know this guy, but we weren't even like really good friends at that point yet. Like we toured right. and like we were cool, but we weren't friends, like really, really good friends or anything like that. He's like, I know this guy. And then he realized, but it was a panel of judges. He was like, but then he realized, he was like, but I just realized nobody else on this panel knows I know him. He was like, so pretty much when he talked to me, he was like, so my mind state was, if it was down to a tie or a split decision, I was going to give it to whoever wasn't you. He's like, but like you won by a landslide. Not one person didn't vote for you. Every single person was like, yo, this is the best video. This is the best song. So he was like, that's the only reason you won. He was like, because I voted against you (laughs) on purpose. And I just laughed. 
Because I remember, like, while yeah, the entries great. were going out and they would promote, like, ones they liked throughout the period of it, they never yeah. promoted mine. And I was like, he never posted it. He never liked it. He never did anything. I'm Dang. like, that's really weird. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, bro, I just didn't want to show you any love because he was like, if you won, I didn't want you to think it was because, like, I just let you win. He was like, no, like, every yeah, person that. voted for you. And then, like, everyone, everyone who was involved in the contest, like, hit me up afterwards. That's what, That was the first time I talked to, like, Kato uh, or, like, uh, AKT. Yeah. Or any of them. And then like with that one, that one was like another boost for me because then it dropped on it dropped on two channels. It dropped on promoting sounds. And then like I went above and beyond to get it to like Cole Bennett. I was like tweeting it to him. I was tagging him in like every post. I emailed yeah. him like a bunch of times. And I know where he like just emerged in the comment section was like, oh my God, I love this. Then like Lyric Lemonade go. posting my next record. Yeah, Black Jason Siegel. Uh which was another one, which then Hip Hop DX picked up. And it was just like the name alone. I remember uh, they did like a show called like the Litmus Test. Mm. And like if you if you won, they would then post you on Hip Hop DX and stuff like that. And I remember I've always been big on like cover art and like everything else. Because all my favorite artists had that. Like Kanye always had like super dope cover art. Like Tyler the Creator has super dope cover art. Lupe. Yep. And like I felt like it was like something people slept on. And I feel like it's the same way with like CDs or like anything or like even going to like a meeting where it's like if you show up to a meeting in a suit versus pajamas, like you're probably going to be treated completely differently. So, so, yeah, facts. So, so, so that was like even like coming up, like we we're talking about, that was another thing. So like as every year went by, it just went really hard in each aspect. Because if you look at my early cover art, it was never bad, but it was like when I was learning Photoshop. So I'd use like images and play with them. Then like I always could draw. So then eventually it was like learning how to like turn drawing into doing digital art and then being yeah. like, Oh, I'm going to do this now. I'm trying to make your artwork different from everyone else's. Cause I know even with like the hip hop DX thing, it was the same thing where the first thing, like just like with the little B we were talking about, like the marketing, it was usually the names of the songs would grab people like Cole Bennett. Yeah. And then even with that, like I would get hit up by random people who would find me and be like, yo, I found your video by accident. It's super dope. I just was searching Cole Bennett. And I thought it was one of his videos and I saw it and was like, oh, shit, this is dope. And I found all your stuff. Yeah, that's and actually that how I found so it. so many times. Yeah, that was yeah, the really? first video yours I saw. And then you posted it yeah. on Rap Chat. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize like this was the same person. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's dope. Together. That's what happened with uh, then I had a record called Sway Calloway where I was like, yo, I want to do Sway in the morning so bad. Yeah. And like that one, it was the same thing. That's the only one that didn't reach like the person that it was meant for. That and Black Jason Siegel. Like, I still want Jason Siegel to hear that. Like, I love Jason yeah. Siegel. That's it's fucking amazing. hilarious to me. But that's that's really what it was. So like even with hip hop BX, it was the cover art. So with with like making music and coming up, it was just like adapting and learning like everything. And then uh not to get sidetracked, it was just like I said before, just following. I started just following people's blueprints. So with yeah. Zach, I I just taught I remember I had a conversation with him and was like, what did like I watched what you and Devon did, and I was like, understand the covers and the remixes and everything. And then like I said before, I wasn't really collabing with people like other than like producers. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, that's a big thing, bro. He was like, if you look at the way I came up, he was like, look at, uh, I guess I'll smoke. He was like, dizzy. Like he was like, put dizzy right on that. And mm -hmm. now like dizzy gave him a great verse. And that was like peak funk volume era. That was like when dizzy was like, like killing it. He still is killing it. He's super dope. But like Zach was like not as known as him and he was doing the funk volume contest. That's how he met Dame and like everyone else. Yeah. So I, I followed his. That's pretty much what I started doing. I just started following his blueprint of how Zach and like came up. He was like, I was doing contests. 
I was doing collabs. I was doing everything else. So I was just like, all right, cool. I'm going to start doing literally everything you did to try to like build my buzz up. And that's when I did the ZZ remix over the Kodak thing. Yeah. Then like I started doing the contest where like I did his contest. I did the, uh, D- the Dizzy Wright contest. And I did the Kato contest. Uh, then I did another uh, contest with like Kato and other people. And I was just yeah. doing contests all the time. Then COVID hit. And then as an artist, it's like, all right, cool. We're not touring anymore. We're not doing anything. How do you yeah, do something now? Huge. And that's when I got, that's like, uh, I like around the time when I started getting back on rap chat. Cause like I was on rap chat before for the contest. And then I really wasn't active on it anymore. Then mm-hmm. COVID hit. And mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I should take this time to just like, build up all my socials and figure out how to like use them so i just looked at it like all right well the first thing i did on rap chat is at like forty thousand like plays like maybe i should go back on there yeah and then once i really started using it like within months like my following just went up like i went from like i think like a thousand followers to like now and then like still in covid i think i'm over like fifteen thousand because i just started dropping records all the time yeah and then like random contests then i got on like tiktok and was like that was another thing where i was like watching zach and like how other people post content i remember at one period he had a day mm-hmm. for every type of content he was posting like flashback for uh freestyle friday throwback thursday he posts like an old video of his t tuesday talk to me tuesday and i was like that was something i always struggled with which was like what do i post like i'm not dropping a song every single day yep and then i watched my homie larry who i actually have so many songs with I watched him and I was watching like Gary V and like Kato. Larry and he took, yeah, that's my yes. guy. Like, that's, my, that's my brother, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I watched yeah. his come up too, where he was the same thing. It was just consistency. Like the way Russ was with music, Larry was like that with his Instagram. He was he like, crazy. I'm going to post a video every single day and see what happens. Then he took like the branding of Gary V, where Gary V was like, I remember watching the video and being in studio with him and being like, you what you follow Gary V, don't you? And he was oh, like, yeah. "Yeah, how do you know?" He was like, yeah. "How do you know?" I was like, "Bro, because there's a video he posted where he was like, people need to understand their branding and like niche market." He was like, the problem is everybody wants to be like a giant influencer. He's like, "But there's so many people trying to do that, and if everyone's doing the exact same thing, the chances of someone finding you in this giant sea of everyone doing the same thing is really small. And there's already people going to the main people who are yeah. killing it. They're not going to go to all the lower tier people and find you." He's like, "But if you can find that one thing." that no one's really doing or a small market's doing, and then you do it better than them. He was like, yo, Gab, you like a core following. But like, because what you're doing is so good, they'll share your stuff. And the more and more people find it, and eventually there's a tipping point and then you start going crazy. Right. And that's what happened with Larry. He was just like, I'm yeah. going to teach people how to do one thing a day in a minute because YouTube videos are like 15 minutes long yeah. and no one wants to watch that for that long. So then he did it. And I remember like the first month he got, had like a little growth. And then he was like, all right, well, if I see growth, I'm going to keep doing it. And they did it again another month. Then I remember there was a period where he did like a hundred pe- like followers, like in like a week. And yeah, then after that, he just kept going. And he was like, all right, I'm going full force in this. And he just went crazy. <laughs> so it was kind of like the same thing. And then like, I'll do random stuff. And he'd be like, yo, you should stop posting like freestyle videos, but like with captions. Because if yeah. you have captions, people watching over and then periodically, that's when I found TikTok. And I was like, okay. So then I looked at it was like, oh, wait, there's people on here who like already make beats and you can just like duet them and use your headphones. 
Like, you know, know how fast you can just bang out <laughs> random content. I was like, yeah. this is the best way to just put out content for, like when I'm bored. When I'm like, I have nothing to post today. Oh, I'll just go on TikTok. Let me find a beat I like or a random video. And I'll just freestyle over it real quick, put yeah. it up. And then I constantly had content. And then like other IG pages would just start picking it up where I'd have records that would do like 40,000 off of something I made off of Apple headphones and mm-hmm. like my phone that took no effort or like little effort. And I'm just like, this is insane. And then the, with COVID, then it was another thing where it was like, I feel like so many people had free time. So there were celebrities constantly always on Instagram going on live. Yeah, so then true. that became my new thing where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to start hopping in people's lives and try to like do stuff. Yeah. And so, like, who's this guy that's always in here? <laughs> yeah. So like, I'll just like hop in and it'd be like, uh, I, do you know DJ Head? Mm, no, I don't know DJ. Oh, Head, he's no. dope. So if you have you ever seen Rhythm and Flow? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the DJ on Rhythm and Flow. He was the DJ for the Cipher. Like he's he works with like everyone. He's a radio host, super dope dude. So he was doing these things like they were all the, and I noticed there were people from like Def Jam or everyone else. People would always yeah. like yo, this chick from Def Jam does these like talent show lives, going there and like kill it. Like and then you'll get like even more followers. And I kept getting followers from hopping in people's lives. So then I hopped in DJ Heads Live and he like. He used it for content. So for him, he was like, oh, I can have content. So if you sucked, he'd just make fun of you. <laughs> and like, if, you, like, if you're really bad, you he'd like, really make fun of you. Yeah, so before uh, he started, he would just be like, are you cool with criticism? Can you take honest criticism? And then like, if you said, yeah, he'd be like, all right, cool. And he'd play your stuff. But he's so funny, too. Like, I remember there was one he literally just shut his laptop and like turned off his screen because <laughs> oh, somebody was so bad. Dang. But. I was like, I really, yeah, I was like, I really want to like work with him or like do something with him. So like I went in his thing and he said it to me and he saw Cole Bennett and like, lost, it's still on my page and he like lost his mind. He was like, this is crazy. And I gained like yeah. followers from that. Then same thing, like Mr. Fab, who like I was listening to since I was younger, like from the Bay, he was doing one and he was like, oh, go in. And then like after that, he followed me and then other people started following me. And then the TikTok stuff, like I said. And then I also found Four Bar Friday with Damian Lillard. And at that time he was doing like, partnerships with like genius so yeah. then i was like oh this is yep. another hub i can do during covid so it was just constantly like i feel like the come up is constantly just adapting to like things and being like from going from a blog era to then a streaming era and then soundcloud and being like oh now i have to drop stuff on soundcloud then instagram emerges and you're like oh you can't just be on twitter and facebook you now have to get an instagram and instagram, then instagram like, tiktok yeah. and yeah you have to have everything so then then being like in, then TikTok become the new wave and being like, oh, I don't want to be on TikTok. And then you're like, but wait, even if the stuff doesn't like there's like watching friends who like have blown up on TikTok and then being like, wait, so even if you're just I feel like TikTok is kind of like the lottery where yeah, like the algorithm sure. is very much in favor of the creators more so than like Instagram, where like it's way easier to go viral on TikTok, but it's also super hard to go viral too, at the same time, because yeah. the way the algorithm set up on TikTok if it doesn't go like within the first 24 hours, it may not go at all, but it also can go three months three later, weeks later like, because yeah. you may be exactly because you may be ahead of a trend that didn't start yet. That then a big creator starts and because you did it with the hashtag that wasn't being used yet, it then takes off. So it's, it's literally insane. So I feel like that's what it is. It just, it's still going up and just figuring out what works. And then this year for me, it was pretty much, like I said, it just was like, Oh, what wasn't I doing? And then I just started mm-hmm. doing like collabs and stuff and like working with artists who I already built relationships with, because for me, like, I never want, like, I don't like working with people who I don't feel like I can hang out with. Like if that's 
sound like I don't know if no, you're the same way. No, but absolutely. like if I don't like if I like talk to you and then I don't, I don't care how much I like your music. If I feel like I can't hang out with you, I'm like I don't want to work with you. Like it's just weird. It's not worth it. Tr- yeah, yeah. I'm like it's weird. You don't want to be on. You don't want to end up having to go on Oprah with that person one day, and then you're like, I don't even like this person. This is weird. <laughs> yeah, it was just like random stuff. So like that's why like when I did the record with Zach, like pick it up, or with Devon, like yeah. by the, I was like excited to do them because I'm like I've wanted records with these people like forever, but it was like waiting to the right time where it made sense and not trying to force like things in relationship you built. Like because also like I I met Zach in 2015. I didn't do drop a record with him till 2021. Like, so it's just like same thing with Devon. I met Devon 2016. I didn't drop a song with him till 2021. Like, it's the same thing. Cause like, I never wanted it to be like, Oh, like you're just asking me for a feature to like work, to help your yeah. numbers or like do something. I was always just where I just never cared about that. I was like, if it makes sense, it makes sense. I don't want to force stuff. And then at that time, I also was like, I want to make sure I already have songs that are, over these amount of like streams or something so that it doesn't look so that like if you look at my numbers it's never like oh the only reason you hit this number is because this person's on the song or because right, this. exactly whereas you can go on my catalog and be like oh no he's done it multiple times before he ever did any songs with anybody and that was like another thing too like that was a goal i was like i don't want to do a record with like anyone else so i can at least break this ceiling and then after that then i want to then it's for me it's just like all right now at this point leveling up and then like i said to you before being like reaching a point where you just really like the content you're making you're confident with it you love it and you're like all right cool i'm good enough to do records with these people and like it not be like a one-sided record because you no one wants a record like my thing is like i just like when i make there's a difference between like rap records and records so for me i'm like if it's a record i want the song to constantly go like this the entire time i just want to just keep going up like as you're yeah. listening to it i don't want it to go like you listen to like my verse and it's like this and the next person just falls off or like it goes up on one person and thing like that yeah. so i'd rather take time working on a specific song with like an artist that i think would make sense versus like hitting up a random person i don't know for a feature just because they're bigger than me and then like yeah. it they're doing well because solely they're on it or it not doing well because they did it for the money because we don't actually have a relationship. So they don't want to push it or do any type of promo. And right. it does nothing. Or it does well. Which, and, and the fans of that artist that you collab with don't resonate with, with the track. Yeah. And they're like, oh, exactly. Like, it was thing. weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's honestly what it's been. It was just like going from like random opportunities, building networking. And that's on That's honestly what the, the story, I think I, I, if there's anything I missed that you want to hear. I guess that's what it was. It was pretty mm-hmm. much just like going from growing up around music, freestyling, and then turning that into like actually writing, which I was doing already, but just not musically. Then pretty much putting in 10,000 hours, which then ended up with like meeting other artists who I've been fans of my whole life. And then from there that I guess pushing you even more. And then honing in on like all the other talents I had, but then realizing like you don't have to do everything yourself. Right. So being like to the the point where I know what my capabilities are as an artist, like whether it be visually or artistically or drawing, but then being like, all right, well, if I know I can draw this, but this is going to take X amount of hours out of my day, I still have to make music. I still have to write a video treatment for this. Why not just find someone whose artwork I like, but take my ideas and concepts and have them facilitate it? No right. different than like when I get tattoos. Like when I get tattoos, I don't draw my tattoos. I do draw them, 
but I'll like explain what I want because I have a reference in front of me. Mm. But then the person whose art style I like, I'm like, ah, oh, but I want you to do what I did in your style. And that's how I look at it. So like, even if you look at the 3 a.m. cover art, it's like top to bottom. Those are like my ideas. But my homie Yurt from like Norway destroyed that cover art. Like every single thing I wanted because I love her style of drawing. Yeah. Same thing with like a new one I have coming out called Bad Habits where like the concept I had, she drew exactly, but it just looks so dope because like I understand like strength and weaknesses. And that's how I feel like a lot of there's some artists who get it and like some who don't. Where, like, I have friends who I'm like, oh, why are you mixing and mastering your own stuff? I understand everybody doesn't have money. And obviously, you can yeah. try to do it. But if you realize, like, that's just something you're not good at, like, figure, like, practice doing that while you have someone else doing it. If you're trying, since you're putting this music out, I'm like, because at the end of the day, like, you want it to be the best quality that you can get. Even if, like, that's not saying you have to spend a million dollars or, like, anything crazy. But if there's someone you know or someone who can do it better than you, like just mm-hmm. have them do it until you until you get to the point where you're like really good at it or like decent enough where like it's good for public consumption. And I think that's what the woman was it is it BWE? Is that what it is? Yeah, the, yeah. Kareem, you're talking about Karima Dima, yeah. Yeah, where what she was talking about, where she was like people putting out a hundred thousand songs and then like you have so many on it that by the time I check out your stuff, I may not end up clicking on your recent stuff. So if I click on your old stuff, I just don't want to listen to anything else. And I've met people who are like that, who I've heard their music and have been like lyrically and flow wise. It's, it's like in sonically and writing wise, so good. But the yeah. mix is so bad that I never want to listen to it mm. where I'm just like, you need to have someone else mix. It. Like, oh, no, I'd rather mix myself. I like the way I work. I want to work with other people. I'm like, all right, cool, man. It's just it's not yeah. going to do well. Like the bass is too high. Your vocals are too low. It's like <laughs> messed up. Like, but then like I've had them turn off the beat and be like, Can I just hear what you're saying and then turn it off. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. It's yeah. just your vocals are then super muddy. And it's just that. It's just realizing your strengths, your weaknesses, and figuring out what you're really good at and then just honing in on that. And I feel like that's really like what changed the most for me was just being like being able to delegate power before I got so used to doing everything like I said. And it took so much time to release music because of that. Because if you're doing everything, you have no time to do anything. So and that's, that's it. I'll tell you, yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. It kind of leads into, you know, my next question. It, and you talk through it throughout, you know, this, this entire episode, but I don't think independent artists, especially realize, you know, how much work it, it work, it takes to, you know, build your fan base, grow your brand and put out music that people want to listen to, you know? So, yeah. so like what, 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 what advice would you give up and coming artists or independent artists as far as, like the the amount of work they have to put in. I know you talked about the emails you used to send out, and I feel yeah, like today I still do that, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Talk crazy. talk talk about that a little more because I think that's that's something that's important. Yeah, so I think uh, I tell people all the time, like YouTube University is your best friend. Like even like TikTok. Like there's stuff I found on TikTok that I didn't know you could do. Like, uh, which I found this, I found this before, but not to the extent. Like there's all these random like cheat codes for like Spotify, like playlists. Yeah. Where like you can go on the search bar, mm-hmm. type your genre where you think that song fits with, and just write at Gmail on the search bar, and every playlist that has a Gmail attached to it will pop up. So oh, you can just copy those and make like that's a major job. Yeah. Make like make yeah. like uh make like in a notepad or like a grid. Like what I'll do is I'll write the name of the playlist. 
I'll write the amount of followers in that playlist and then I'll write the email so that when I email them, I know who I'm sending it to. But like, that's just already so many chances of you do it. Then there's sound play, which is free submissions. I feel like there's so many people who just put out music and like, you just hope like, don't get me wrong. If you have a big fan base, it's exactly. Like, yeah. You have a really good chance of it doing with some me. Like, so when I talk to artists who like are bigger than me and they're like, Oh, these are the numbers you did on these ones. Like, how'd you do that? I'm like, bro, I literally go on Soundplate and submit until it tells me I can't submit for like an hour. <laughs> I do that. Like when I, when I first drop a release, that's all I do. I'm Soundplate, Soundplate, everything. Because yeah. I understand that like, even if these playlists are only generating like 10 or 20 streams, the algorithm just is looking at, oh, he's being added to so many playlists. And then those are random streams that are coming thing. And that's like, you're, yeah. my goal is always to get the algorithm in my favor because then the algorithm does the work for you. So it's, it's like, then like, even though you're still doing the work, it just keeps moving off the strength of your interaction and everything like that. So I think as like independent artists, you just have to like, you have to do more work than other people because you may not have a team yet. So you like mm -hmm. also like if you do know people or like you are like befriending people, like which is what I've done. Like I've always, I have so many random friends I've met through like TikTok and Instagram and like music friends who I've solely friends with on Instagram, but I've friends with them for like years and like anything I ask them, they just tell you like there's some people and i feel like those type of artists i feel like a lot of independent artists are more willing to give you gems than like known artists a lot of people yeah. just want to keep yeah. stuff for themselves but i find that i tend to find that a lot of independent artists as long as they can see you're actually like putting in work and you're just not trying to get like a cheat code they'll like just tell you yeah whereas like with uh my friend uh Jitter on the track super dope dude like he does visuals everything he's a musician he like does animation, everything. I remember that's when I started doing my own cover art. I was just like, yo, these are really dope drawings you're doing. Like what, what app are you using? And he was like, oh, it's Sketchpad on desktop. It told me and I was like, all right, cool. Then like there start using it. If I had any questions, he just told me or I would YouTube them. So like then from there, that's when I started doing all my cover art when it was like drawn, it became from that. Same thing with like when I was editing videos, like, cause I know how to video edit, but I stopped doing that after a while. Cause I was like, it's taking too much time. Like, I'd rather just have someone else do it. So when I would do videos, yeah. I would direct them and then I would edit them from the far. Like, I'd just be like, all right, I, like while we're on site, I'm directing everything. Then I give it to the person and I'll just, I already had a treatment so they know what I want. Then yeah. once they send me the rough, I would watch it and be like, I need this here, this here, this here, this here. And then cool, that's gone. They're going to edit it. And then I can go back to making music or doing emails or doing whatever else I'm doing. So it's, that's what I think the most important part is where it's also being smart with your money as well. Because like when you're independent, like, you may not be working with a budget yet. So you're working off of the money you're making and just being smart with it. So for me, I remember like even like the dead shot video, like every video, like I said, the one take video, like every single one, something went wrong. So with the dead shot video, the guy showed up and he didn't have a steady cam for his mm -hmm. camera. So I was like, mm -hmm. bro, this is a one take. Like if you don't have a steady cam, it's going to be so wobbly and it's going to be look so bad. Yeah. But he, so then he was like, Oh, but I do have this. And he had like a random stand for his iPhone. And I just was like, honestly, it. shoot it on that. I was like, <laughs> I was like, clean up your lens. Yeah. I was like, I've seen a Kanye video on a thing. I was like, I was like, this with a tribe with a steady cam will be better than your camera, which is a better camera that's yeah. loose. I'm like, and I've seen from, and it was honestly, like I said, just learning as an artist and being like that tour where I was on with futuristic and like people. There's an amazing videographer. Uh, his name was uh, Wozy. And I remember being on tour and his camera dying and him taking out his iPhone. Like he ran out of battery. And we were on tour. Yeah. He took it out and I was like, I was like, are you really shooting with your iPhone? He was like, bro, I've learned. 
to just make do with whatever you have. If you have it, if you like, he was like, the magic happens in post. He was like, as long as you can just get something that's clean and not like, he was like, as long as it's not all messed up, I can mm-hmm. finesse anything. So that's how I looked at it. And that was like every situation moving forward. It was like making uh, lemonade out of lemons, pun intended, with a cold Bennett. It was just like, <laughs> I have this steady cam. If I give it to Wozy, he can do something. So the way he colored it, it looks so cool. Where like, yeah, no one still this day, except when I told him, knows that video was shot on a, a iPhone. I'm like, that entire video was shot on an iPhone. And then we just added like bounce effects and stuff. Same thing with like Cole Bennett. It was like, I remember uh, seeing a comment or something like when I won the contest and some dude was like, the only reason he won is because he has a video with Cole Bennett and he spent thousands of dollars on a video. Dude, I so, saw it. I thought the same thing. I'm like, this guy must spend like six hundred yeah. to $1,000 a video. Uh, yeah, I was like, bro. And then like, I'm like, comment back. I was like, yo, I appreciate that you think I spent that much on this video. That honestly like makes me so happy. I'm like, I literally, the only thing spent on this video were the lemons and the lemonade. That's in the video. That's the only thing I paid money That's for. Insane. I was like, I didn't pay for anything. I'm like, cause we did everything in house because like I directed the whole video. One of my friends who shot like weddings and stuff. I was like, yo, you have a steady cam, right? And he was like, yeah. I was like, yo, can you just give me like an hour? He was like, bro, I can give you an hour. I was like, I won't even need that much. So we'll bang the whole thing out in probably three <laughs> takes because I would yeah. go to locations for one takes. And every time he did one of my one takes, he always gave me an hour. He's like, bro, you have an hour. You have an hour. That's all you got. Like I go, yeah. work. And he would do it as a favor to me. So you got an hour. So I'll go to the location like the day before. And I would just do walkthroughs by myself and get used to it. So I already knew what I wanted to do and be like, all right, I want to sit here at this point where just like, cause I already walked through with the camera doing it myself with no one in it, or I'd put people in it and be like, walk this way. So I'd figure out the path. So the mechanics of what I'm doing aren't down, but I at least know the path where I'm going. Right. So every take is always different, but it's like, I know what path I'm going. Once I know the path, I can just do that. So same thing with that. I was like the dead job video. I'm like the only money I spent on that wasn't even on the video. It was for the food I bought for the dude to thank him for like shooting the video. Like, uh, like awesome. bottom, like I took him out to dinner. I'm like, same thing with the other one. I'm like, I paid for the lemons, paid for the lemonade. Everyone else in the video was my friends. Same thing in Deadshot. It was just my friends. I just said, be like, yo, do you have me in the area? Hey, just come sit in. I just need you as a prop. So then when the dude found that out, he's like, wait, so you only paid for simply juice and lemons? I was like, that is the only cost I spent on this video. That's I was like, amazing. everything else was done in post. I'm like, I'm like, my dude did the editing and then I did some editing because that was when I was still doing editing. So I'm like, I did all the captions for the Cole Bennett video. Like I went in Final Cut, did those. I did some coloring. I did the vignette on the screen. Like, I'm like, I just, I was like, everything was done in house. And then there's a chick I found on TikTok who's like that too, where she said she was spending so much money on videos that she just went on YouTube and just started teaching herself how to edit. And I was like, yeah, that's honestly, that's how I've managed to save money on a lot of videos. Like I was because I knew how to either edit or because I knew how to direct or shoot to the point where I could take one aspect out where it's like, sure, I may pay for editing for this video, but I'll cut costs by shooting the entire thing and directing it so that the person doesn't even have to show, so that the person doesn't even either have to fly out here and they don't have to shoot or waste any hours at a time. So then they'll only charge me to do like effects. And if it's, and if I don't need a lot of effects then I usually have like a homie or myself who could color it. Like I may color the whole video, then send off and be like, oh, I just need these CGI effects or like, these type of green screen effects and that's like it so it was always that and that was the same thing with like the cold uh the sway calloway video like someone else did the same thing they were like what did you pay like a thousand dollars for this i'm like no i did the same thing i had my friend show up he gave me an hour he was like i got a wedding to go to you got an hour i was like i planned everything out hit up like 
the and it was the same thing every location is someone who i knew it was never like random locations i didn't have to pay for the locations mm -hmm. so i knew like a bar that was below one of my friend's apartments and then in the back there was another bar and they had a yard but it's connected i was like oh that'll look cool what if i start in your apartment then i cut through the back of the bar and like and everybody worked there so i was like can you ask your boss if you let me shoot here and he made me show him like videos and at that point i already had cole bennett out yeah which had, like both That's channels awesome. had like thousands of views deadshot had thousands like was over like 40,000. So he was like, oh, I was like, and I'll like tag you guys. He was like, oh yeah. He was like, this is awesome. So he let me use that. And then they had the cool hallway. And then yeah. like I hit up him for his dog, everything else. So it's just, I feel like as an independent artist, you just have to be like smart with yourself. Like sometimes it's not, it's not the money. It's just like being creative. It's like, obviously you can do cool stuff with money, but I know people who've spent $5,000 on videos and it's like, just because it was shot on the red camera but then i'll look at like other people's videos like you look at early tyler the creative videos before he had any budget and i'm like yeah. you're shooting some of these on like dhs cameras and it looks better <laughs> than like what people are doing true so yeah. like the creative aspect yeah. is like huge so that's what i like tell like would say the most of like independent artists just like try to find ways to stand out with creativity look at like what others have done before you like like even like from the like little b like i tell people all the time i'm like bro he was so creative and if he was doing what russ was doing before russ was doing it like he was dropping mixtapes he was dropping exactly. songs every week yeah and he was dropping videos with each song like sometimes he was doing a song a day like it's just but it, just like with uh I'll, re I'll reference uh the chick again who you uh we're talking to where yeah. it's like it's still understanding your audience he understood his audience so he understood the type of content he was making would work for them. Whereas like yeah. if another artist who wasn't in his lane was doing that type of content, it probably wouldn't work. But he branded himself that way with like the base freestyles and everything. So it did work. So for him to put out that content was no different than like when Lil Wayne was putting out content. But I do understand like the aspect too, where like a lot, I do remember at one point I got tired of Wayne because he was putting out so much music at one point. Uh -huh. Because for the caliber uh, of yeah, artist he is, I don't know if you feel the same way. No, never. Because Wayne, so yeah, no, Wayne's Wayne's my guy. But I get, I get the sentiment. It, though. Yeah, he's it's so like, dope. It was, it was a lot. Weird where some of them, some of them were like duds. Where I was just like, for me, I'm just like, <laughs> put out so many dope ones. That I'm like, all right, yeah. man, I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna wait for an album or something, yeah. or like the drought to come out because the droughts were always good and yeah. certain ones. But then there were like so many Lucy's that were dropping that I was like, I'm like, sorry for the wait. Forward. That was probably yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was just like so many Lucy's and stuff. I was like, I'll just wait for albums uh even like lupe like i just just every single artist like i'd say like independent wise it's just like look at the independent artists who you like watch their how like move. how you put it their come up story or like what they did so for me like i just looked at futuristic and devon terrell those were like the main dudes i looked at and was just like oh collabs engage more on like i'd like i think honestly he like when it comes to like marketing himself on instagram i think he's like one of the best i've seen with theirs even like even like Justine is pretty good at it too. Like she's really yeah. like good at her the way she markets herself online. And yeah, and Kato. Like, what was that? Kato. Oh, yeah, Kato's amazing. Crazy. Kato's amazing. Same thing with Larry. Like all of them. Like yeah. I just like I look up to all of them and like the way they like they figured out what works for them and then just kept doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also another thing. Like as an independent artists, like where I think a lot of people something works and then they do something else. It's like no, keep doing the same thing. It's working. And I feel is. I've yeah. watched people who like have done something, been successful with it, and then I'm like, all right, cool. Now I'm going to change everything. It's like, it's why like, would no. you? Like, yeah, literally, like it's working. Keep working. Like, Pepsi doesn't change the way they taste. Coca Cola still tastes like Coca Cola. They weren't like, hey, people love us. Let's change how we taste now. 
let's yeah. add like chili peppers to like our flavor. Like nobody cares. <laughs> like keep it the same. It's working. People yeah. love what you're doing. Keep doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like honestly, like I, I definitely wanted to talk with like you and Rap Chat further. Definitely moving on from this. But I like next to me, like I have a project I've been working on, uh, which is called Hendrix and Heartbreak. So I've like, it's one of like many of them, but I pretty much, the way I've been releasing it, I look at, I've had so many conversations with like artists about this. And this is another thing I'll say to like independent artists. Mm -hmm. I feel like we live in an era of singles. So unless you have a huge fan base, I don't feel a need to drop like a project, like just drop singles, like, and move off the singles. You can definitely, you can definitely drop a project if you want to, but the way like streaming services are set up. They're set up more for you to win off of singles. The so baby if you drop, is a key example. Yeah. So if you drop an album, you can only submit one song to like the release radar. And if yeah. that song doesn't do well, then you just spent like months or years making a project that isn't going to move. Whereas I look at it like a dartboard. Like if I'm playing darts and each single's a dart, I have a way better chance of hitting the bullseye and something blowing up if I get to throw 20 times versus if I just throw one time and then wherever it lands, I'm done forever. Where it's like you have each song can right. be trickling Great to that song, blowing them up. So for me, I've just been releasing singles. Every single I've released so far isn't on the project, but like 3AM is on Hendrix and Heartbreak, Cool's on Hendrix and Heartbreak. I just look at it like even Joyner Lucas, I think when he had ADHD, I think he dropped 10 songs off of that project before he even dropped the album. Yeah. And ADHD. did all of them as singles. Yeah, yeah. All of them. and I just think it's smarter. So for me, I've just been like dropping singles that are like Lucy's, like Pick It Up isn't on any project. I potentially could put it on a project. Maybe it will end up on like a more rap-oriented project. But all the other ones, I'm just dropping stuff that I think will work, that people will like and they'll enjoy for songs I really like. And then I've been holding on to other ones that are just solely me that I think will do really well. So I'm using these as like leverage for those projects. Yep. But then I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the artist Blast. No, I'm not like the singer. He's super dope. Definitely yeah. check him out. But yeah. uh, I, I've watched how like some artists have partnered with like brands or like smaller labels to like uh, partner with them to like move their stuff. Where like if they have like dope visions or dope music or have like a or even if they don't have a following but the brand does to help move it because they have relations with other people. And I know Blast was writing for like everyone, so yeah. I think like right now that's what I'm like looking into and that's what's in the future i've been talking to like certain brands and stuff rap chat's definitely one i want to talk to awesome. where like i've wanted to like uh yeah because I, I look at like there's like even when like at one point i was talking to rap chat where like as an artist like i look at the app and the setup of it and i like see things that i think would be more beneficial for artists for like allocating like all of your other socials together where i feel like even though people are listening to music on rap chat i feel like a lot of people aren't able to transfer their rap chat followers to their other hubs right and i feel like there's like methods that would help make that way easier also like i look at rap chat like with all the like it's just like an untapped like flowing source of artists all their artists always want to find other artists so like to be like a first artist who actually like partners with them like in like a label sense but not a label to then have like backing and be able to do like cool stuff with like the network i already have and everything else I feel like we would be able to do like super crazy stuff. So I'm hopefully do that or like there's another brand as well. But like I look at like Red Bull who went from energy drinks to now doing that with like artists. Vans That's a great doing point. that with artists. Yeah. And like they they just look at it like, oh, we're Vans. People wear us. Artists wear us. We can market to them. Like Red Bull. People drink us. We are at events. We can 
push artists. So to see the year Blast has had only being signed to Red Bull and seeing what he's able to do now, it's just like insane. So I looked at it the same way where it's like, I know industry people and other people and there's certain people I have access to that I know Rap Chat also has access to. And like to partner together, I feel like I would be able to do like crazy stuff. Yeah, so right it, now, yeah. So right now that's what I'm, where, where the future like is looking like. I have like a project. It's pretty much ready to go. I'm still doing other features and a uh, crazy one. Also, another thing, like I said, with uh, independent artists, don't be afraid to reach out to the artists. I feel like a lot of people... Mm are very timid and like have fear of rejection. And then you have the other spectrum where people don't fear anything and they just spam everybody. <laughs> like, don't <laughs> yeah, do that. Build, build relationships. Yeah. And like, that's, that's what I will say about Rap Shack, which is downfall. It's like, I have so this, so I've said this in posts, even on Loom, where I've been like, if you DM me and you actually have a conversation with you, you have like a 90% chance of me actually listening to you. Especially if the music if you just, Yeah. I have people who just send me links to this stuff with nothing. They just send me Same. a video, Same no here. concept, no caption, no like, hey, man, how's it going? Like your stuff, did it, nothing. And I'm like, yeah. even on Rap Chat, like I, there was somebody sent me like five songs and just was like, nothing, just listen links. to this, listen <laughs> to this. And I was just like, hi, he was like, yeah. did you listen to it? I'm like, nah, I don't listen to people who spam me links. I'm not spamming you. I'm like, yeah. you just sent me five songs and did not say one word to me. I'm like, if you would have said anything to me, I would have listened to this. Yeah, I, yeah, I was like, way. 100%. Yeah, I'm like, at least say, you know, I'm, hey, I'm an up and coming artist. I'm trying to grow. Check out my music. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's not hard. Yeah. So fun, funny, funny thing is, Kurt, do you know Curtis King? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Beaver, I found Curtis King because he hit me up like years ago when he had a project called Snick at Night. I yep. wrote a tweet about Nickelodeon. Yeah. And he was like, yo, I love this show too, or something around those guards. He was like, I actually did a project where I flipped those things because he actually had a conversation with me. It was, I was interested. I was like, Oh cool. That's dope. Send me the link. Like I was like, that in peak yeah. my interest. I'm like, get a conversation with me. So I'm just like, bro, just like have conversations with people where like I met like one of my, like in my like artists who I've always wanted to work with Travis McCoy's in there from like Jim class mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. I met him before, but it wasn't like weird circumstances. So then I was like, Oh, if it's meant to happen at some point, I'll meet him again. I met him on Instagram like last week. And then had like a great conversation with like 30 minutes. And then he like was like, oh, bro, we need to do a record. Just from that. That's why like, like, that's you crazy. Can, the Internet is like you can meet anyone on the Internet. Like just like no excuse. Actually have conversations. Don't spam people. I met currency from Twitter, like multiple people like I've met through the Internet. It's just having actual conversations. Don't spam your shit to people. Have actual <laughs> conversations. That's not to say everyone's going to answer, but you might catch yeah. someone on the right day when they're on, like alive or something, which is how I got him. Got right. him on IG live. So it's just like, just pay attention, do those and then move smart. Like, that's why with me, like I looked at it was like, I don't know. Like, I know some people just want to be signed or do stuff. I've never really cared like what it was. I just felt like partnerships were the best way to do it and watching like how my friends move. So that's why like, that's for me is like the next step. I just want to find like the right brand or like company or just like partner with to then like, then push this content. Cause I already know, like I built like a good foundation and then I know like, people who work in the industry who like really like my stuff. And for me that I feel like that's the only thing I was missing was like a partnership or like a brand that could like do certain things for me that I can't do for myself where I have like certain backing that I don't have, which would allow me to like work with certain people who have other platforms, which could then push it because I have access to them, but I also would need certain things from like brands to like reach those access points. So I think that's, that's the next thing where it's like, I feel like I'm getting a good grasp of Spotify 
So it's still going to be just dropping consistently like yeah. next for me and continue. Like I have another drop on the way with Larry. Um, still just doing collabs and just like releasing stuff frequently and just like building, keep continue to build the brand up. Cause I've saw how fast I built up my rap chat. So now it's just trying to build up everything else that fast or just trying to convert the rap chat following into all of my other followings, like move right. those 15,000 plus people to my Spotify followers, move those 15,000 people to my Instagram, move those people to my YouTube and watching the same way I watch Larry and other people do it. Cause once you do that, you build like this little army. Like, yeah, I don't think people realize, I think it was Ryan Leslie who said it. He was like, I don't think people realize like the strength of like your following. If you can get those people to be active listeners or active followers, yeah, like you can do anything like 15,000 people on rap chat, like listening to your song two times a day, that's already 30,000 streams in the first two days. But yeah. like you have YouTube and stuff like that, but everyone on YouTube isn't an artist. Exactly. Everyone on thing is there like rap chat is literally just rappers and producers. And like then also watchers, like people are just listening to stuff. So if yeah. you can get all of your followers who are either listeners think to then just be like, yo, this can work and push you like you can do whatever. Tell the people where they can follow you at, where they can find you, all that good uh, stuff. Cool. Um, pretty much it's kind of Nathaniel everywhere. Not like kind of Nathaniel everywhere, but just like <laughs> at kind of Nathaniel. So uh, like Instagram at kind of Nathaniel, Twitter at kind of Nathaniel, YouTube is kind of Nathaniel, Spotify is kind of Nathaniel. I pretty much made sure to keep the name the same everywhere. So it doesn't matter what platform you're on, you'll find me. Even TikTok is kind of Nathaniel. That's Anything, awesome. Snapchat. Because even at one point I was going by, I had Kai underscore Nathaniel. And then, like, I was like, this is confusing because then on certain apps, that wasn't available. And then I was like, well, my name wasn't available initially. And then it started opening up. So I changed it everywhere. There so my go. Snapchat initially was Kai and this for Nathaniel. And then everything just became Kai Nathaniel. So it's awesome, Kai Nathaniel man. everywhere. So on any platform you need to find me, just search Kai Nathaniel. No one else has my name. So even if you just write Kai and I'll usually pop up. So there you go. Hey, I love it, man. Well, it's yeah. been a great episode. I appreciate you again. Definitely yeah. got to get you a, too, part two, a part two because, yeah. uh, so many gems, so much, yeah. so much knowledge dropped here. So I appreciate you, man. And uh, yeah, you too, man. Yeah. Pre- thanks for coming on again. Yeah, definitely. Have a good one, bro.